What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. This is episode 97, and this is your 3A 2021 end of the year award show. I am one of your co-hosts for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. I'm one of the other co-hosts, Cody Stauffer. And I'm your last co-host, Mason Austin. Boom. And like I said, this is your 3A 2021 end of the year award show for Colorado high school football, of course. And so I'm going to go ahead and actually talk about the process here, just in case you have not listened to our other end of the year award shows for 1A and 2A, which you should go ahead and, you know, take a listen to. That is episode 95 for 2A and 93 for 1A. So there you go there. But basically how this works, there are five votes total. One of those votes is the fan vote, and so that goes to whoever wins the majority. You know, you could go to our Twitter and vote. That's uh, Playmaker Corner if you want to go vote for that for future polls and references, so there you go. But whoever wins the majority of the fan vote gets that vote. That's pretty self-explanatory. Then you have us three hosts that are all here. That's myself, Cody, Mason. Each of us have uh, a single vote for each category, and then... Unlike for 1A and 2A, we got one of our friends of the podcast and obviously one of our good friends, Jesse Budin. Uh, He is a college coach, and so he's kind of an outside perspective, but obviously he did grow up in Colorado, played football here, played for Ralston Valley, did all that stuff, went to UNC as well with us. And so he is very familiar with the Colorado high school football landscape, uh, you know, and so he is going to be our fifth vote here kind of our guest vote to make it an odd number of, uh, of votes in total. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get this thing started and talk about Newcomer of the Year. This award goes to the best freshman on the 3A level. This freshman played on the varsity level, had multiple good performances throughout the season, and was at least worthy of recognition. So I'm going to talk about the first finalist here. And that is Thompson Valley's very own Elijah Melendez. Um, I'm just going to say this right now so they don't have all the stats put into max preps. But these are the stats that he gave me. Plus, I mean, he has his highlight film out there. So if you want to check it out, go for it. Uh, If you go to our YouTube channel, you can check out some of his highlights there. If you want to check that out under Newcomer of the Year or 3A Newcomer of the Year finalist. So there's some highlights there. But uh, his highlights of the season, 950 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. Not only does that lead the entire state in, I think, freshman rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, but I believe it is top five in the country, either top five or top ten in the country as far as freshman rushing yards and rushing touchdowns go. So there you go, Elijah Melendez from Thompson Valley High School. That is one of our finalists there. Uh, Cody or Mason, do you want to talk about one of our other newcomer of the year finalists here? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm going to talk about Anderson Osborne, or Osborne, I should say, out of Holy Family High School. And, you know, like like Simon said, this is all about the best freshman performances of the year. And Anderson was a contributor on this Holy Family defense is where his biggest impact was felt. You know, he played in really close games on defense against like Meade, you know, Fort Morgan, Pueblo South, uh, Roosevelt. Um, those were some of the closer games of the year. And, you know, over the course of those games, along with a blowout win over Skyview, 
You know, he had 37 tackles on the year, as well as four tackles for loss and two sacks. So, you know, he's he's just going to get better. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, he was a tight end primarily and blocked for the majority of this potent uh, Holy Family rushing attack, you know, that include the likes of uh, Jacob Lover, that uh, two-star running back slash safety, you know. So, you know, you could contribute a lot of these huge games that these Holy Family running backs had to Anderson's contributions on the offensive side of the ball, blocking as well. He's just a physical dude and uh, was a huge part of this uh, pretty successful run for Holy Family, finishing the year seven and five. And, you know, I've talked about it before, like on the recap that, you know, their their last loss of the season to Roosevelt in the playoffs, it was a really close game. You know, it, it didn't look as close as it actually was because it was so many missed, like two uh, missed two point conversions and whatnot. But, you know, he he had a pretty good game in that, you know, having eight tackles against you know, a Roosevelt team that I chose in the preseason to win state and uh, who's going to have many guys that are mentioned on, you know, this episode itself. So, you know, he was a contributor in that game and uh, yeah, overall had a solid season. Oh, almost forgot in that Skyview game, he did also have an interception. So, you know, two sacks, interception, 37 tackles, four for loss, just an overall kind of useful guy on the defensive side of the ball. So, but I think I'm going to pass it back to Simon here, who's going to take us down south and talk about uh, some of these guys from Pueblo. You know, Simon and then Mason talking about some newcomers down in Pueblo who balled out this year. Yeah, so Pueblo in general had a lot of really good young players, I think, for the city of Pueblo. Just in, like, just in general, you know, you had a lot of young teams across the board uh, in that Pueblo area. One of those guys was Amari Brown from Pueblo Central High School. He does play running back and a little bit of receiver for them. He was one of those guys that, you know, obviously caught our eye and is a newcomer of the year finalist. And so let me go ahead and talk about his stats here. So as a freshman on the year, on 99 carries, he had 427 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. Uh, He was splitting the backfield with a couple of different running backs because they do run the ball a lot. Um, the only other running back that ran more than him was senior Andrew Sherman, I want to say, who had 744 rushing yards. Other than that, Amari Brown was the second guy there. You have two other backs in this backfield who both rushed over 200 yards as well. And so for Amari Brown to go ahead and, um, you know, put up that much production while splitting the backfield between four other guys, uh, that's a pretty big deal. You know, and that includes a pretty big dub, uh, a blowout win over Pueblo Centennial, where he had 19 carries for 110 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Um, He just, he went crazy in that game. And there are a couple games, I think only two other games where he did catch a reception for, you know, a couple yards here. There only had two receptions for 39 yards. Just keep that in mind. But just in general, you know, Amari Brown showed that he can be the lead back for this Pueblo Central team moving forward. And he probably will be, you know, his film did look really good and whatnot. And uh, like I said, splitting the backfield between four other guys and still able to rush for like 400 plus yards and four touchdowns. That's still pretty good. You know, you would take that. Uh, for sure there. So there you go. Amari Brown from Pueblo Central is one of our finalists there. Now, Mason, do you want to talk about our last 3A Newcomer of the Year finalist that is in the same town? Yeah, no, definitely will. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Pueblo East's quarterback, Zayden Stevens. Uh, He had 519 passing yards, 
four passing touchdowns, um, five interceptions. So I guess some of his key games was probably that last one against Palisade where he had 198 yards and a touchdown. Um, he also rushed for 186 yards on the season. He only had 38 carries for 186 yards. He definitely got it done for this, you know, five and five squad to end the year. Um, I don't think he, it shows that he only started once six games. So, you know, he's definitely someone to be watching out for later on in the year, in his years, I guess, because he is just a freshman. Um, is it okay if I go ahead and start talking about Jesse's picks? Yeah, go for it. Who did Jesse vote for here? So for newcomer of the year, Jesse did go ahead and take Anderson Osborne. Um, he did. I don't know, Cody. Did he give you a description of why? Well, actually, uh, this was probably the most that I got to kind of see Jesse's insight on it because he went a little bit back and forth. Initially, he was leaning Elijah Melendez, and then he switched his vote actually to Anderson Osborne. He's like, oh, wait, um, I'm assuming it was just the upside of his size probably as a freshman. Anderson is, you know, he has a pretty decent frame. So that would probably be his thinking behind it and uh, just, you know, what what he was able to do kind of on the line too would be my guess but don't jesse don't quote me on it <laughs> no that's that's definitely fair i figured you know that he gave you at least a little bit of insight for it um but no i'm for my pick person i'm gonna take elijah melendez uh you know 950 yards rushing 14 touchdowns i think he really you know was the front runner here for me just because he had you know the biggest impact for his squad um, I'm going to pass it off to Cody. What are, what are you picking? Yeah, so um, you know, I'm going to have to echo your sentiment here with Elijah Melendez. I just think 14 touchdowns is something that's pretty hard to ignore from a freshman running back. And, you know, Thompson Valley, they've, you know, it, it's been a little rough. And I think that Elijah Melendez is somebody who, you know, anytime I'm looking at these newcomers of the year, I try and think of somebody who's giving hope for a program as a future, you know. And Elijah, I think, does that for Thompson Valley. I think that that's a player that you can use as a building block, you know, for the future, whether it's this coaching staff or another one where it's like, you know, we come in to this next year and we know, okay, we already have a proven stud who's – he can't even drive yet, but he's driving this offense. You know what I mean? So that's why I vote for Elijah Melendez here. But, you know, at the same time, this vote is going to end up being split currently because the fan vote, you know, being a vote that it is, they are actually with Jesse on this one here as Anderson Osborne received 47 percent of the fan vote here. You know, we we love the Holy Family Twitter and everything and the support that they show us you know, on social media and whatnot. And they came out and drove for Anderson. And I bet a lot of that league that Holy Family plays in had something to say about this too, having played against him and throwing him some votes as well. Maybe even some of these Roosevelt boys, you know, they're really big on uh, on social media. And, you know, they got a chance to play against Anderson twice this year, actually, I think. Um, so once, I think they played them once without and then once with. So, you know, they probably got to see a little bit of a difference in the team dynamic of holy family with and without anderson so you know that splits the vote two and two coach v if you're gonna vote for one of the other 
uh, two guys. I'm sorry you don't get that choice. You have to choose between Anderson and Elijah here for our 2021 Newcomer of the Year. Who is it going to be? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was going to be between those two guys for me anyways. Uh, real quick, just want to put some respect on my Pueblo boys. Mari Brown already talked about his deal. He's going to be a stud uh, being the workhorse in sheesh, for the next three years. And then Zayden Stevens, a lot of potential there. You know, a lot of potential as a dual threat. That's a name you need to remember because he's going to, uh, I don't know. He might, there might be, a, I'm just going to say this right now. There might come a time where, you know, there's going to be some new kings over in Pueblo because I know it goes back and forth between Southwest and like all these teams, really, you know, and so I think he might be the head of that squad in the coming years. Well, he will be the head of that squad in the coming years and could really put up some numbers here soon. So just keep an eye on that. He's extremely athletic, but, um, you know, I like Anderson Osborne. You know, I think he does a lot for that defense, did a lot for that Holy Family defense, which we all knew, you know, we're losing like, ooh, like eight or nine starters on defense. Uh, between last year and this year and so you know for him to come in there and step it up and do his thing that's pretty big gotta give him respect there but i think i have to go ahead and cast my vote for the newcomer of the year here uh elijah melendez from thompson valley i mean look i'm just gonna be honest with you if his stats were put in max preps there would be so much more respect put on his name those are only his rushing stats he could catch too in his film there was this really sweet wheel route that he ran on the goal line where you know he just got the step on the corner he like stacked that route really well and then he just went ahead and caught it and you know he uh, toe tapped it too i think um to get that receiving like 20 30 yard receiving touchdown which was pretty good you know this kid is talented you know he's going to be a baller on the next level if he's already running for like 900 plus yards and 10 plus touchdowns as a freshman Imagine what he's going to do as a senior, you know, and so I'm really excited about him. I think he's somebody that's going to continue to, you know, put up these numbers and to potentially be one of those guys that has something like 4,000 to 5,000 career rushing yards when all is said and done, which is really hard to do and whatnot, maybe even more. You know, he might be closer to that 6K mark low-key if he has some really impressive seasons here. But, you know, one step at a time here. But I really do like his film. I like him as an athlete. You know, he has the speed. He has the power. Has a little bit of wiggle to him as well. And so, you know, Thompson Valley should count themselves lucky having such a stud over there. And so there you go. Elijah Melendez is your 3A 2021 Newcomer of the Year award winner. Thanks for announcing that. And uh, congratulations to all these candidates, obviously. Like Simon said, uh, those Pueblo guys. Pueblo has great football, honestly. And, you know, like we've discussed before on the show, anything that's basically south of Denver doesn't get as much kudos as it really deserves. So we're glad that we had this opportunity to talk about some of these Pueblo guys here. And then, you know, traveling north, you know, opposite sides of the planet, uh, opposite sides of the state for all of these candidates. Congratulations to all their nominations. And we're looking forward to seeing y'all ball out for the next three seasons. And coming up next, we'll be talking about some offensive playmaker of the year candidates. What's well, good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. This is episode 97, our 3A end of the year 
award show for the 2021 season here in Colorado. And we're talking offensive playmakers of the year. Here are our finalists. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the guy. Um, well, I'm going to talk about one of the guys here that was really explosive and was one of the reasons not only was, you know, his offense so successful, but, you know, because they're so successful, his team in turn was supposed was um, as successful as well. So with that being said, I'm going to talk about Roosevelt quarterback, senior quarterback, that is Brock Sia here. You know, coming into this year, he was a one-year starter. I think that's really important to keep in mind. The previous starter, Brick Hartson, he started for multiple years. He's now doing his thing up at CSU, so big shout-out to him. I know Cody uh, <laughs> got to meet him at a Roosevelt game. Uh, Roosevelt for Morgan game, actually. So that's kind of funny there. But Brock Sire here, he did a very good job stepping in place of that guy, Brick Hartson, for Roosevelt. As a one-year starter, his stats on the season – he threw for 2,402 passing yards, had a 69% completion rating, nice, threw 32 touchdowns to only three interceptions on the year. He also rushed 55 times for 302 yards and four rushing touchdowns on the year. Like I said, you know, Brock, he was a first-year starter. There were some, you know, maybe slower games here and there, but, you know, there were a lot of games where, I mean, he just – he went nuts, you know, and he threw for multiple touchdowns. Uh, one game that, I, that I'm always going to remember was when Roosevelt hosted Meade, I want to say. And obviously that's a huge, like, rivalry game. But they hosted them, and in his own house, you know, he basically went crazy. Went 17 of 21 after having a very cold first half. And then the second half, this is basically where all his stats came from. He threw for 271 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. In that game against Meade, he also rushed nine times for about 60 yards and a touchdown as well, looking like a smooth passer, looking like a good passer out there and really getting the ball to his playmakers out there, you know. Um, you know, a lot of teams have good receivers, but that doesn't always mean you have a good quarterback. Brock here, he was a good quarterback, a good enough quarterback to get his team going a lot of the time here. And so that's a big game that he had, one of his signature games, if I may say. Um, and then, you know, at the beginning of the season, he had multiple games where he threw for four touchdowns and three touchdowns, notably against Holy Family to start the season, went 11-17 for 187 yards, four touchdowns against Pueblo County. It was a blowout, but against Pueblo County, did throw for 229 passing yards and three touchdowns there. And so, you know, Brock, he was a big reason why Roosevelt was able to get back to the semifinals. And yes, they did lose to me you know who would go to state and whatnot but he kept them in that position to you know come back and win and whatnot and you know without a quarterback like Brock Sire here I think it would have been a very different season for a Roosevelt team who had all these weapons but maybe not a quarterback here and so um yeah very impressive honestly just a very impressive season by Brock Sire like I said basically a 70% completion rating that is completely unreal and then a 32 touchdown to three interception ratio is obviously not bad at all for a one-year starter very Joe Burrow-esque uh, at least on the Colorado high school football level if you ask me but I'm gonna go ahead and throw it to Cody who's gonna talk about two more finalists here my dude bringing up Joe Burrow when I'm wearing a Sooners hat that's disrespectful but anyways um <laughs> I gotta talk about two guys who but these guys, you know, they weren't 
one-year starters, but they are some of the most improved players in the entire state of Colorado. And I'm talking about the Kennedy connection here between Isaac Cisneros and Ron Gallegos the third, actually. So Junior's Junior. But anyways, uh, I'm going to talk about the pass catcher here first. You know, Ron, he, he was kind of quiet as a sophomore, you know, four receiving touchdowns, 330 yards, you know, solid, solid. This year, he was a menace to all defenses that were tasked with guarding him. He is just so freaking fast. Cornerbacks, they constantly underestimate them, uh, underestimate him, and he burns them consistently. On the season, he had 19 receiving touchdowns as on 44 catches and 1,163 yards. On top of that, you know, he also put in some work on special teams as well scoring a kickoff return touchdown against Moffat County. It was an 80-yard kickoff return, as a matter of fact. And he just utilizes great speed and, uh, you know, quick cuts to to get all these receptions. I mean, good grief. In the opening game against Adam City, he had two touchdown catches on three receptions. Against Alameda, he had three touchdown catches on four receptions. And that's when teams started to realize, hey, we need to double-team this guy or he's going to make us look silly for the rest of the year. And there is even one performance here that stands above the rest. And man, I still can't believe that they lost this game to Denver North. But this in this game, Ron had probably the best receiving performance of anyone all year with 11 catches for 304 yards and five scores. Holy crap. That's insane. And, you know, his average yards per catch is 26 yards per catch. So every time he catches the ball, he's getting a first down and some more. He's one of the best deep ball threats in Colorado off of basically speed alone. And it's very rare to find, you know, a time where the defense is actually behind him. So, you know, that's that's Ron, uh, just an electrifying, speedy playmaker for this Kennedy offense. On the other side of this Kennedy commander connection here is the guy throwing him the ball, Isaac Cisneros. We actually did a breakdown on him last year as a sophomore, you know, as a part of that, like, upcoming quarterbacks in Colorado episode, you know, where we talk about Genoa and Braden Dorman as well. So make sure to check that out. Blake Barnett as well, who's another player we will eventually be talking about. But Isaac here, he improved drastically from the last time we did a breakdown on him. Last year, you know, 13 touchdowns and then, you know, another one rushing touchdown and a couple of yards on it. This year, as a junior, he threw 33 touchdowns and he ran for another six, going off for like over 2,850 total scrimmage yards as a runner and a passer. And this was 33 touchdowns to only eight interceptions. So it's not like he's a bad decision maker. And he just has a cannon, you know, he throws Ron open a lot of the time. Just because, I mean, it's one thing if Ron can run past the defense. It's another thing if you're a defense that has to defend against a wide receiver who's still open at 50 yards because their quarterback can just bomb it. And he has great velocity on his passes. He's able to fit it into a lot of tight windows. And just overall, I know that, you know, Kennedy struggled a little bit this year. But shout out to, you know... Our, our boy, uh, Coach Orta over there, and um, just this Kennedy offense that scored in drives this year. Uh, or in, yeah, just uh, scored a lot. 
this year with their minimum being even 15 points, but every other game outside of that scoring basically over 20 points. And facing some pretty decent defenses along the way with some cornerbacks who we have talked about on on this 3A and uh, level and whatnot. So those are the Kennedy guys, Ron Gallegos the third, as well as Isaac Cisneros, both who just played in senior and will be back for a uh, senior season together. But that just leaves one candidate left to talk about. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Frederick High School's very own Parker Ayers, the running back. He had 1,315 yards, um, you know, averaging 9.1 yards a carry off 145 carries, 26 rushing touchdowns. Uh, this guy's just a dog getting it done over there. And, you know, a couple of his signature games was he had 197 yards off 24 carries against Meade, which is a win out there. In his win against Skyview, he had 154 yards with a long of, which was his long of the season, of 78. And against Canyon City to start the year, he had 188 yards off 16 carries. Uh, they also had, I guess, against Pueblo County, he had 13 carries for 133 yards. He definitely got it done there. He had only 47 yards receiving for the year, but it's because they hand the ball to him so much that they really don't need to pass to him. Uh, and I, and you know, for all of his stats, this guy is a dog. And I think that's why Jesse did go ahead and pick, you know, Parker Ayers is his pick, uh, for the year. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just say my pick. Now I'm taking Brock Saya for, you know, various reasons. I think that he just got it done for this squad. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to either of you guys who wants to go and go next. Yeah, I'll go ahead and talk about uh, my pick. I think my pick was going to come down between one of these Kennedy guys just because of the numbers that they put up and the way they did it. But I'm going to go ahead and give my offensive playmaker of the year vote to Isaac Cisneros. Just uh, almost 40 touchdowns on the year. Pretty absurd, um, you know, between the 33 passing and the six rushing. And I think that this program is very different, if not completely dormant without him. And, uh, you know, with the with the surrounding cast that they have there, Isaac Cisneros, that Kennedy will does not have an identity without this kid, I think, right now. So that's why he's my offensive playmaker of the year and a potential uh, MVP watch for next year, even. All right. Fair enough. Well, with that being said, uh, so that means Everyone has one vote right now, right? Or not everyone. But uh, Isaac, Parker, and Rock has one vote right now. So I'm going to go ahead and actually talk about my process here. I was looking really hard over at the Kennedy boys at one of them. You know, I think they're going to be great going into next year. And so that's kind of what I'm holding on to there. Um, but, I mean, it's hard to be a one-year starter. You know, it really is, especially being a one-year starter on a team that just went to state the year before. And so those are kind of the expectations this guy had to live up to. And, you know, I think the fans definitely recognize that as well, which is why Brock Sia went ahead and won 51% of the fan vote, being our fan vote 
offensive playmaker of the year. And I'm going to go ahead and echo that and cast my vote for Brock Sia as well. Um, to add on to that and give him this offensive playmaker of the year award, because I think, you know, he just did a lot of good things in the one year that he started in. You know, that's never easy. It's never easy to sit behind somebody for literally almost three years and then, you know, get your one chance your senior year. And at this point, it's um, you either make it or you break it, right? You either have a good year or a bad one. And that kind of defines your legacy because there are no second chances. And so I got to give Brock all the credit here, you know. Well, not all the credit because he had a good team around him, obviously, and I'm sure he would say that as well. But I definitely have to give him a lot of credit for playing as well as he did. Um, beating both of the teams that went to state, by the way, in Fort Morgan and against Meade as well um, earlier on in the season, obviously, because they would lose to Meade. who would go to state and then get beat by Fort Morgan. So I think that's important to keep in mind that he did beat each of those teams at least once. And so that is why I'm voting for him. And that's why he is the offensive playmaker of the year on the 3A level. So, yeah. Before I move on, boys, is there anything else you want to add on here? Yeah, so I actually had the chance to meet Brock as well during after that uh, Roosevelt and um, Fort Morgan game. That was a very tough game, and you know he was a huge catalyst for the comeback that they had in that game. Actually, you know it was a low-scoring game, and uh, Brock, you know, he made the right throws at the right times and uh, kept plays alive. You know, uh, made some plays on his feet as well. So, you know, to be a team that eventually went on to win state, being the only loss for the team that eventually won state on the 3A level, you know, that's a huge testament to just how important he was and how good that Roosevelt team was. So, uh, and he's a, he's a pleasant guy. He's a pleasant guy. We'd love to have him on the show for sure sometime. So, Mason, you got anything? Um, I, I guess this kind of goes without saying, but any of these guys can come onto the show at any time. Uh, they just got to hit us up. So that's just kind of the shout out for that. Yes. Very good point. With that being said, we're going to go on and uh, take a break here and then talk about our uh, defensive playmaker playmakers of the year. Hi, all. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. You are listening to our 3A Fall 21 season awards. If you are somehow skipping to the middle of this episode somehow for newcomer of the year, we have crowned the running back Elijah Melendez out of Thompson Valley as our newcomer of the year, as freshman of the year, basically. Then for offensive playmaker of the year, quarterback Brock Saya just won that out of Roosevelt. And now we're going to be talking defensive playmaker of the year candidates. And we're going to be doing this one a little bit differently. Usually we give you a tail of the tape and then we all cast our votes on the end. But we're going to cast votes as we go with these candidates. And so to start us off, I'm going to be talking about the linebacker out of Palisade High School, Kevin Sorgren. I think is how you say it, Sorgren. Uh, if we're saying your name wrong, Kevin, just uh, let us know. But, you know, Kevin was a guy who was an honorable mention on our top five uh, senior linebackers list. And it's just because he was one of the leading tacklers in the entire state of Colorado. I mean, on defense for his senior year, he had 161 total tackles. 
And yeah, he was just all over the place for this Palisade team that, you know, they had a very successful season and won a lot of close games. I'd say, you know, uh, I just <laughs> it, over this season, I should clarify, you know, they did end up going to the playoffs and even winning a playoff game in the process and winning their league as well, going undefeated in league. And, you know, in league play, he had some of his best games against a very good Glenwood Springs team. He had 18 tackles against a summit team that was right there for that league competing for it. He had 16 tackles. And then, you know, to seal the deal against Eagle Valley, he had another 16 tackles. There was only one game, only one game all year where he had less than 10 tackles. And that was in a blowout against Steamboat Springs. So, you know, they didn't even really need him that much there. So, you know, they had a great season here and he was a huge part of it. And obviously he's just a leader for that team. He also racked up two sacks as well as an interception and two pass deflections and two forced fumbles. You know, he's a pretty hard hitter. Watching his film was a lot of fun and he's a big dude. I mean, in the middle, he stands at six foot five, which is like, I haven't seen many linebackers who are over, you know, maybe like six, two or six, three, honestly, who could move kind of the way he does. And with that height, he obviously poses a lot of problems in the pass game just because he can slightly reach out to his right and uh, bat a pass down. So, you know, obviously his high school career, super successful, great player for Palisade. And, you know, I think he's going to be a great player for Wyoming. That is where he's committed. He's just going to go up north a little bit here from the box state and uh, be a cowboy. And I think that he's going to be a great player for them. He's been good for, for a bit for this Palisade team. And he's, I feel like he's a yes coach kind of guy where you ask him to do something and he's going to do it. He's going to take care of it for you. And he's also a guy who you can see in the film gets people in the right spot, smart football player, physical football player. And with all that being said, I'm actually going to cast my vote for Kevin here, the Wyoming commit and the Palisade Bulldog as my fall 21 defensive playmaker of the year. So now I'm going to pass it over to Simon to talk about this, this athlete who balled out for the state champions actually on the 3A level as one of our defensive playmaker candidates. Yeah. And that athlete is Frank Ortega, the uh, running back slash DB for Fort Morgan here. He was a big part of their offense and defense, actually. He probably could have been a contender on our MVP list here, but decided to put on, put him on our defensive playmaker of the year list for a reason. And so let me go ahead and talk about his stats on the year. Um, at his safety position, basically, he had 58 tackles, two tackles for losses, had 10 interceptions and a fumble recovery. And so with that being said, I'm going to also talk about some of the key you know, games he had here. And I'm actually just going to talk about him in the playoffs here. So against Frederick in a 21-14 win, a very close win, by the way, um, only recorded one tackle, which is interesting. But but he did get two interceptions in that game. And then against Lutheran, this was the game where he made the biggest impact here, including, golly, just a fantastic interception that – I mean, look, I, I don't even blame Clayton Jacobs for a throwing because not many players can make that interception period. But in that game, he had five tackles and three interceptions, including that goal line. Well, I don't think it's a goal line, but that end zone interception that he had where he basically uh, beat the receiver to the spot and toe tapped it in bounds just barely 
to get that one in. And that ended up being huge because that game did end 23 to 21 in a very, very close game here. And then obviously against Meade, I uh, only had five tackles. All of them were solo. And a lot of those tackles were pretty big because they were usually on the outside, I want to say. And, you know, he prevented those plays from uh, becoming bigger than what they were, including I think there was one play where he tracked down uh, one of the running backs on a long 20 or 30 yard run that almost could have went for a touchdown, but he stopped them just short there. And so that's Frank Ortega from Fort Morgan High School. He is a finalist here. And with that being said, actually, Jesse Coach Budin over here would vote and cast his vote for Frank Ortega of Fort Morgan High School. So there you go. Uh, one for Kevin Sorgren, one for Frank Ortega. And I'm going to go ahead and throw it to Mason here, who's going to talk about our next finalists. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Riverdale Ridge's high school's very own Cameron Lewis. Um, he got it done for them very effectively uh, playing, you know, they don't give me any games exactly like game by game, so I can't do any of those type of things. But in his junior year, he had, you know, 10, uh, 10 solos tackles, five assists which is 15 but where he really got it done for them is the fact that he had six interceptions and 11 pass deflections this year alone um so obviously you don't want to throw it his way he gets it done there um that's really all i can say because that's all his defensive stats that they give me on max preps and everything but you know not to be said anything he definitely is deserving of this and that is why you know, on the fan vote, he did go ahead and get 61% of them for the defensive player, making it 1-1-1 one, one, one going down this one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pass it back to you guys to go ahead and talk about our last guy. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that's 61%. I'm pretty sure that is the highest percentage anybody between 1A, 2A, and 3A so far has gotten as far as votes go. So... Um, big congrats to Cameron Lewis there. That's that's pretty huge, not even going to lie. But with that being said, I'm going to talk about our last finalist here, and that is Dorian Pacheco, the middle linebacker for Lutheran High School. Uh, look, 5'7", 185, but definitely plays bigger than that. Does a lot for this defense, did a lot for this defense, not only this year, but in the last uh, couple years. You know, just being that do-it-all guy. Just keep in mind, does play on offense as well. He is their lead back, I'm pretty sure. He also catches the ball quite a bit as well. So he's doing all that while playing on defense. On defense, though, on the year, had 73 total tackles, 11 tackles for losses. Um, also had four sacks, which is pretty big, and then seven hurries on the season. As far as interceptions go, you know, he snagged one, had a pass deflection, a fumble recovery, and then also forced four fumbles throughout the entire season and so you know Dorian Pacheco really just did a lot for this Lutheran team and you know he was a honestly the heart and soul of the squad at least on the defensive side I would say just being able to do so much in the one game that me and Mason was able to go to you know he kind of he, he did a lot in that game not even go lie in that game um only had three tackles keep in mind it was a 48-14 blowout but had three tackles that did include a tackle for loss um, and then a half sack as well. I thought he got the full one in that game, but he basically got a sack in that game. And then also got an interception on that game. I'm pretty sure that was a toe tap 
pick as well. And so, really, Dorian Pacheco does it all for or did it all for this Lutheran high school defense. You know, super underrated. I think because of his size, a lot of people do underrate him, but he just absolutely flies all across the field and he gives them a lot. He gave them a lot of energy, you know, at his time over at Lutheran. And so, with that being said, I am actually going to go ahead and cast my vote for Dorian Pacheco for Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Like I said, I feel like he's super underrated, your classic underdog, but he did a lot for that defense, was asked to do a lot, whether it's covering man-to-man, stopping the run, keeping contained, um, pass rushing, whatever, he did it. And so that's why he gets my vote. So with that being said, it is tied across the board, which has never happened before in any of the other votes. And there's only one person left with the vote that will decide who wins defensive playmaker of the year on the 3A level. Mason, you want to do the honors here? Yeah, I know. I'll definitely go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say that um, I went back and forth between a couple of these guys, but I did go ahead and pick uh, Dorian Pacheco to take, you know, defensive playmaker of the year. I think he got it done, you know, not only on offense, but, you know, he got it done for this defensive, like for his defense. It helped them win all the games that they were going to win. So, you know, I think he is the guy for Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Woo! Oh, I'm muted, but I'm clapping. Happy for the dude. I, like I said, super underrated, but he won Defensive Playmaker of the Year. So there you go. That's all I got to say about that. Yep. That's all that there is to say about Defensive Playmaker of the Year. Coming up next, the award that you're all waiting for. 3A's Most Valuable Playmaker. All right, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast, and you are here for the, you know, Most Valuable Playmakers Award. I'm going to go ahead and start by talking about Marcellus Honeycutt Jr., um from george washington high school you know this guy got it done with his you know seven and three record starting off he rushed for 1417 yards with you know a long of 91 uh his i guess one of his like key games was against denver north with 204 yards and it looks like he had two touchdowns in that game with 20 on the year he definitely had a good game against Alameda. Six rushes for 170 yards and three touchdowns. All right. And then on the receiving side, you know, he did only have 195 yards, but it's because they were running the ball with him most of the time. And his key game for, you know, receiving wise was against Monarch. He had five receptions for 123 yards and a long of 80 with a touchdown. Then, you know, going into his defensive stats, he definitely got it done for tackles. He had 49 solo tackles um, and 11 assists coming up to 60 total tackles Uh, on his statistics. He had seven interceptions and 188 return yards. And then going down to, you know, kickoff and punt return, he had seven receptions for 130 yards. So, you know, he got it done on all three layers of this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to, uh, I think Simon. You thought wrong. You're passing it off to me. I'm talking about the quarterback out of Fort Morgan High School, Briggs Wheatley, 
this guy, I got to see him live and Simon, I think also, yeah, Simon did get to see him live and the offense ran through him. You know, he was given a lot of autonomy for this Fort Morgan offense and it ended up paying off seeing as how he's the only MVP candidate with a state championship ring on this list. He balled out this year. You know, he he's a solid runner. You know, he's athletic and he makes good reads and I'd say has good ball carrier vision. But as a quarterback, man, he is so good at timing and ball placement. You know, he had to be at his peak. You know, he didn't have like a plethora of skill position weapons all over the place. You know, he had some solid guys like, you know, Frank Ortega from Defensive Playmaker, as well as uh, Fajardo as well. But man, he just throws the ball in a way sometimes that if you drop it, like there's no excuse for dropping it because of how pinpoint of a pass Briggs is able to deliver. And I think that he had over 3000 yards of scrimmage this year between his passing and rushing and was just a scoring machine for, you know, this Fort Morgan team, they didn't really annihilate anyone, I should say. But, you know, he was a huge reason, and his decision-making and just clean play of football was a huge reason that they were able to win games, you know, so consistently. I mean, even in their only loss of the year, he had a touchdown throw and, like, one interception. I was at this game against Roosevelt, you know, this stat line does not tell the whole story. You know, 10 of 25, 152 yards. Let me tell you what, receivers were dropping passes this night a lot. And it was frustrating. And they figured it out before they got to the state championship game. Because if, I mean, they played huge mistakes and still only lost to this Roosevelt team by seven. And that's because Briggs was able to just get important first downs, complete passes to move the chains when he needed to. His touchdown pass in this game was beautiful. You know what I mean? Like Briggs Wheatley, just an absolute dog and somebody who, you know, I'm going to probably be fighting for to make our top five uh, senior quarterbacks list here. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's Briggs Wheatley, just an absolute dog. Yeah, I was right. 910 rushing yards on the season, 2,188 passing yards, over 3,000 yards of scrimmage. Not to mention that, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, he also made some plays, ending the season with 38 tackles. And, uh, yeah, just being a guy who can break up passes as well in in the pass game. But anyways, I'm going to pass to Coach V to talk uh, another MVP candidate. Yeah, and I'm actually going to talk about another quarterback here from Lutheran High School. That is the senior uh, senior quarterback, Clayton Jacobs on the year. I'm going to talk about his stats first, you know, threw for 2,271 passing yards with a 57% uh, completion rating. Also threw for 30 touchdowns and only nine interceptions. Half of those came in one game, though, so just keep that in mind. Uh, on the year rushing, though, on exactly 99 carries, he had 945 rushing yards and 18 rushing touchdowns, you know. Clayton Jacobs, I mean, look, going into the season, uh, we were pretty high on his talent. We knew what he could do. We saw a lot of potential from last year going into this year. I mean, honestly, a lot of that carried over. You know, he had a lot of very good games, and Luther definitely leaned on him and gave him the keys to the car here, you know, and he had some very good games here. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about some of them. Um, just, uh, you know, to, just to talk about his signature games here against Denver North. That is the game me and Mason went to 
May not have been the prettiest game. He did throw one really bad interception at the beginning of the game. But other than that, it was pretty much flawless. You know, did end up throwing three touchdowns. Was pulled pretty early in that game. Also rushed five times for 75 rushing yards. So pretty easy there. Um, Did have a very good game against Evergreen, which at the time was undefeated. He threw for 238 passing yards, three touchdowns. I believe he also rushed nine times for 58 yards and two rushing touchdowns as well. So, obviously, he did his thing there. Uh, Against Palisade, a playoff game. Now, Palisade, I mean, look, they had a very good defense. They had, um, obviously, one of our depoy candidates here in Kevin Sorgren. And so, uh, against them, you know, he was pretty much perfect. 707 for 171 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. Uh, Didn't rush too many here. Now, I do want to talk about the one, like, really just tough game he had against Fort Morgan only went 10 of 21 for 100 yards a touchdown and threw four picks uh, but in that game he also rushed 13 times for 58 rushing yards and a touchdown that was a 21-23 game which did mean he accounted for um, two-thirds of Lutheran's uh, you know touchdowns here and then obviously had a chance to go ahead and win this game but unfortunately Frank Ortega and the squad made sure that did not happen and so just wanted to throw that out there but I think that's a very like outlier uh type of game to keep in mind but even then even when having a bad game he kept Lutheran in it and uh, almost mounted a comeback there and so I think he definitely deserves a lot of credit not only for that but throughout the entire season just being kind of that guy for this Lutheran team you know and you know he played a lot of very good games and honestly he probably played more games where he didn't shoot where he didn't play the fourth quarter than games when uh, his team was down you know and that just that's a testament to how good he was and how good this Lutheran team was when all was said and done so there you go Clayton Jacobs from Lutheran High School I'm gonna go ahead and throw it back to Cody who's gonna talk about our last MVP finalist here yeah, I get to talk about uh, both the guys that I saw at that uh, Fort Morgan game. You know, both of the candidates that I saw at that Fort Morgan game. As you can tell, Fort Morgan and Roosevelt running great programs up there in northern Colorado. But uh, I'm going to be talking about the six foot three, 190 pound junior receiver slash cornerback Tucker Peterson. This guy, I did a breakdown on him as a sophomore. And man, he's putting together one of the better careers of, you know, any Colorado high school wide receiver, you know, potentially ever. And this is on the 3A level in, you know, in Johnstown. And, you know, on the year, he had 1147 receiving yards on 54 receptions, as well as 17 receiving touchdowns. Not even to mention that on, you know, kickoffs and punt returns, he did collect quite a few yards there. And even, you know, had a punt return for a touchdown this year against Mountain View and a kickoff return for a touchdown this year against Niwot. He also ran for a touchdown against Northridge during the regular season. And he also had a pick six this season. So any way you want it, that's the way you get it from Tucker Peterson, who is just so consistent against all these teams on the 3A level. I mean, he scored 126 points this year. As, as one guy, you know, uh, between touchdowns and then also getting a two-point conversion in the Fort Morgan game uh, as well. So, literally, he scored in every single game this year 
uh, even like I said, he scored a touchdown in every game except for the Fort Morgan game. But even then, he got a two-point conversion. So anyway, you chop it up. This guy finds the end zone. He's able to beat all kinds of coverages. He, you cannot play one-on-one on him, but he got a lot of those opportunities because he had a solid, you know, what the Roosevelt's offense, I should say, just had playmakers. And so in any time he was in one-on-one, he would moss you. He would break your ankles if, you know, he caught it and ran. He would just outrun you straight up. He could beat you in so many different ways at wide receiver. And he grew so much as a player from last year to this year. He was absurd, I, I tell you. And, you know, I'm just really overall, you know, between receiving, rushing, kick return, punt return, interception return as well. He had 1,630 yards just as a player for this Roosevelt team. And not to mention on defense, he also had 11 tackles for loss as like a cornerback who could, you know, also play kind of like an outside linebacker, sometimes even an edge rusher. And his versatility was just so apparent even on his film you know he blocks too he gets pancakes against cornerbacks they bring him in for for crack blocks they send him against the you know in motion through the field to push out edge rushers as well anything that you ask tucker can do he can do and let me tell you i got to meet him and his family pleasant young man and just very polite he stays humble but he also knows that he's that guy And the audience, you know, the fans also know that he is that guy as he did win our fan vote for most valuable playmaker at 48% of the votes. And, you know, I went back and forth on this. Even when I was talking about Briggs Wheatley, I was going back and forth like, ah, like who's my most valuable playmaker. But, you know, I'm, I'm here to fight against a stigma that skill position players, especially wide receivers, can't win mvp and i'm going to cast my vote for tucker peterson for most valuable playmaker so that puts uh tucker peterson you know up at a early 2-0 lead mason do you want to talk about who you voted for and also who coach booten voted for yeah no i'll definitely talk about that i'm gonna start with jesse's pick um he is picking clayton jacobs you know from lutheran high school he's definitely you know i'm gonna echo that pick we're both picking you know, Clayton Jacobs. I think the one that really got me was, you know, I was just going between him and Briggs Wheatley super hard. But I think uh, the the catch in that game that Simon and I saw where he threw it across his body on the run with like three people in his face. And it was just a flawless, like effortless throw. It, You know, I've had that in my mind all year as one of the top plays that I've seen all season uh, by any player on any level. So, you know, you know, that got me for Clayton Jacobs. I can't speak for, you know, Jesse here, but he also picked Clayton Jacobs, making it 2-2. So there it is. Uh, Simon, do you want to go ahead and decide for us? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and vote for somebody completely different and make it a co-MVP thing. But no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, What I am going to do is kind of walk through my process here real quick. Uh, For me, Briggs, Wheatley, Clayton Jacobs, Tucker Peterson were all up there. Uh, This is obviously no disrespect to Salas Honeycutt Jr. I think he's going to do his thing next year, and it's going to be really hard voting against him twice. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But for me, it wasn't in between Briggs, Clayton, and Tucker. Um, Obviously, 
if I voted for Briggs, it would be a co-MVP thing and my vote wouldn't matter. So I'm not going to do that, even though I do acknowledge his contribution to that Fort Morgan championship team. Um, but I think uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and cast my vote here. And I'm just going to be completely honest. Going into today and this recording, uh, I did not who. I don't know. I did not know who I was going to vote for. I knew it would be in between these two, probably. And so I'm going to go ahead, probably shock some people and vote for Tucker Peterson, the wide receiver out of Roosevelt High School. And here's why. You know, I love Clayton Jacobs. I love him as a yeah, quarterback. Yeah, I'll love to, to all these guys. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, obviously. Excited, but it's a, it's a good day for wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously, like Clayton Jacobs, he's a beast. I'm going to talk about him more when we talk about our top five quarterbacks because he has definitely made an impact on me as well. I always think about that throw that Mason is talking about. It was a perfect corner out throw. If any quarterback's going to learn how to throw that throw, they might as well look at Clayton Jacobs throw right there. And so I'm going to talk about him more in our top five senior quarterbacks because I really think highly of him there. And he did his thing, but Tucker Peterson, man, oh my God. When you could get the ball in his hands, he could dominate. The play that sticks out to most to me uh, was when I watched him play against Meade here. It was a very close game. Brock Sai was just struggling, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, until, like, as in struggling, as in, like, he would find Tucker Peterson in one-on-one and then throw it out the end zone. And so he wouldn't have a chance to make a play. Until he finally got it right, lofted it up there. Tucker Peterson was one-on-one with this DB. The DB was in great position to, like, contest it, but it didn't matter. Tucker Peterson is just that dude at 6'3", basically 200 pounds, and mossed that DB and just made a leaping catch, probably the best catch I've seen almost all year. And the crowd went wild for that down over in Johnstown, and I love that. I'm sure, you know, Roosevelt loves having him back one more year. And so, you know, for him to do that on the offensive side of the ball consistently throughout the year, for him to also play really good defense throughout the year as well, because he's, I mean, like I said, he's just an athletic freak. I mean, that's hard. You know, it's hard to do. It takes a lot of energy, and you just got to be built different for that. And so for that reason, I'm picking Tucker Peterson as our 3A MVP. So, yeah. Man, I bet y'all didn't God see that. God bless wide oh. receivers. This is, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> and I voted for him. Um, but, you know, like Simon said, it was real. This was, well, MVP is always tough, I should say, you know. But this one was really tough because, you know, I got to see all of these guys live to some extent. And, you know, knew their names all heading into this season, really. Um, you know, these are all guys that were on our radar for a long time. So we paid attention to them throughout the year. We saw their storylines. We saw them live and yeah, they're all phenomenal playmakers. And like Simon said, well, two of these guys, Clayton Jacobs and Briggs Wheatley, both three, a guys, they have strong. Well, Clayton is going to make our top five list. Minor spoiler. We don't know where yet, but he's for sure going to make it. And, you know, we're still trying to figure out who's where, but Briggs Wheatley's another guy who's most certainly in the mix and, you know, is one of the better athletes in the state. Both of those guys, incredible. Like Simon said, Marcellus, he's going to be, Honeycutt Jr. will probably be a candidate two years in a row on this list. And, uh, you know, I think it depends on how much he can will this George Washington team in the playoffs next year. 
And uh, yeah, but Tucker, man, he, he's a dog. We've been on that since he was a sophomore. He was making plays. So for him to do that as a junior, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else we can expect out of him. But shoot, he did his thing. And I think he's very deserving of, uh, you know, of, of, of this award right here. So, yeah. But uh, Mason, do you have any anything you want to say here? I know I know you voted Clayton and Jacobs, which I was a lot closer to voting for as well. I'm not even going to lie. Um, I was leaning towards him going in. And then I did a one more look through, and I was like, ah, no, I, I don't think I can. But Mason anything else you got to say? right now. He's crying. Oh, dang. No. I, uh, I definitely think, like, that one did catch me by surprise. I'm not going to lie. But... You know, I definitely think he's deserving of it. You know, he, after hearing his statistics, you know, that Cody said and everything, it, you know, it's an eye opener. Like, the dude's a dog, you know, and with the ball in his hands, he could score at any point. So, like, congratulations. And, like, you know, this is one of hopefully many that aren't quarterbacks that win an MVP, you know, for us. Because, you know, we try and not do the normal, you know, MVP is always a quarterback type of thing. But, you know, sometimes it just works out that way. But right now, like, this is a good day, like Cody said, for wide receivers. Mason's still waiting for the day that uh, that a lineman wins MVP. <laughs> no, no, no. It would have to be it would have to be a defensive lineman. There's no way we could count pancakes. They don't put that on. Uh, they don't put that on statistics for anybody. Not yet. So 300 pancakes and, and you'll win MVP. Sure. Deal lineman. If you, get, if you get 300 pancakes, I, I think we'll have to give you MVP. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think I think Jake uh, Michaela might be close to that for Valor Christian. He has as many as Leon. Yeah, he, I think he has more, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, like, if you watch his, if you watch all of his, like, highlight film, it's like everyone ends in a pancake. That's true. Well, um, well. Anyways, you'll, you'll have to listen to the offensive tackle episode and the interior yes. lineman episode for our best linemen, and you have to stay tuned for more of our content, like our top five running backs that's going to be coming out later this week. Yes. Uh, speaking of D linemen, we're going to be doing edge rushers here soon, the senior class, and quarterbacks. That's that's going to be our last of our top five series. So stay tuned for all of that. We have some interviews on the way for you. Simon and I had a lot of fun with interviews this past week. And, you know, we're also going to do a season in review episode. So stay tuned for all of that content and more on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Anchor. Make sure to subscribe or follow us so you get notifications on all the latest episodes, of course. And, you know, look for updates on our Instagram at Playmakers Corner, Facebook Playmakers Corner. Twitter at Playmaker Corner, where we are currently running polls for our 4A awards. And you need to stay tuned for when we post polls for our 5A awards as well, because you, the fans and listeners, have determined quite a few awards up to this point on the 1, 2, and 3A levels. And we already have more votes on 4A on like one of our polls than any of our other polls currently, as of this recording on January 2nd. Uh, of course, Happy New Year as well. Happy belated New Year, or however that heck you're supposed to say that uh thank you for all the support in 2021 make sure to look out for tiktoks as well of our awards top five stuff make sure to check out our youtube don't let coach v's hard work on the youtube go to waste he is putting in 
great work here and lots of great content is on the YouTube as well. That's just Playmakers Corner, as well as just stay tuned for YouTube Live. That's the name of it. That's that's the that's the thing. Is that what that is? You're just no, looking at me and laughing. Yeah, well, stay tuned for live streams um, at some point. Simon, is there anything else that you need to add on about, you know, this episode 97 3A awards or any upcoming content and what have you? No, um, was just going to say Tucker Peterson is not our first uh, non-quarterback MVP, by the way. Go ahead and take a look at our 1A end of the year episode if you want to check that out. Um, like I said, that is episode 93. So go ahead and check that out if you want. But uh, there you go there. Congrats to all these guys. Congrats to all the finalists too. This was a pretty strong list. Like I feel like we couldn't have done a lot of moving around with this list. I think all these guys are deserving. And, you know, really looking forward to seeing a lot of these guys play uh, next year as well, because we had a lot of juniors when it, and younger guys, obviously, uh, win it. So that's a, that's a thing that we always like to see there. But uh, no, I have been one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. I've been another one of your co-hosts, Cody Stauffer. And I'm your last co-host, Mason Austin. Later. Peace.